Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. Bob Romanek hosts a radio show on KQQZ, that's 1190 AM, and his show is, to be blunt, a hotbed of racist invective. Tune in just about any time he's on, and you'll get a barrage of racial slurs. We turned in yesterday. We got a very brief taste. Now, there's a warning. We've bleeped out a few words, but this is still just incredibly nasty stuff. That's why the out there don't like me because I tell it the way it is. I'll fight for a proud white man. I'll fight for a proud black man. And I'll be against the I'll be against the cracker. I'll be against the hunky. But the they don't want to hear that, John. They want to be right even when they're wrong most of the time, agree or not. Now, despite that language, Bob Romanek has managed to get local politicians to sit down for his show. That includes St. Louis President Board of Aldermen Lewis Reed, uh, who later apologized. More recently, Bob Burns, a Democrat representing Afton in the Missouri House, was kicked out of his caucus after it turned out he was a frequent caller to the show. So for many people in the St. Louis area who followed the Romanek story, the biggest question has always been, how is he allowed to say these horrible racist things on the airwaves? Doesn't the FCC care? Well, the FCC might be about to kick Romantic off the airwaves, but maybe not for the reasons you might think. And joining me in studio to talk about it is Danny Wisentowski. He's a staff writer at the Riverfront Times, and he broke the latest in this story earlier this week. Danny, welcome to the program. It's great to be here. Now, Danny, you reported that the FCC issued an order last Friday involving Entertainment Media Trust, or EMT. That's the company that owns KQQZ and three other stations. So what did this order say in a nutshell? Well, this is a complicated issue. And I think, you know, as you uh, alluded to, this issue is actually not with the words Bob Romanek is saying. This has to do with the tangle of seeming shell organizations that own this station. And so what's happened here is that this is sort of the continuing result of an investigation the FCC published in June uh, over the summer. And this cataloged all of the ways it found there were substantial questions of who actually owns this station. What is EMT? Who is actually behind it? The key problem here is that Romanic is a convicted felon. And that clashes with FCC's uh, rules known as its character rules. And FCC has these rules, and they're not hard and fast necessarily. Being a felon doesn't ban you. But the FCC says, look, we have to trust that you're going to be honest in the way that you deal with us. And when we evaluate who gets a license to get a radio station, if they're a felon, we want to, you know, we want to talk to them. We want to make sure they've been rehabilitated. Mm-hmm. Because so much of what goes on in the radio and what the FCC depends on is a sense of, of good faith sort of interactions. And in this case, they've grown seriously concerned that Bob Romanek actually does run these stations, that EMT and the uh, organization called Insane Broadcasting Corporation, these various organizations that are trustees, he's really the guy behind it and has been misleading and not upfront with who actually controls those stations. So that's a big problem. If they're looking at, is he re- rehabilitated, the very fact of him trying to hide the fact that he's behind them seems like it might be um, a point against him in that argument. Yeah, and, you know, the the FCC's character rules themselves, you know, kind of bring this out where they, um, you know, they want to know that this is about honesty. Um, and so in this case, you know, Bob Romanek's uh, felony convictions had to do with lying to a grand jury in the 90s, 
uh, bank fraud, uh, to, to basically bankroll purchasing strip clubs that he, again, was not really allowed to own. Um, and so his past convictions really have a lot to do with corruption and public corruption. He was a former police chief uh, as well. So those are hard things to bounce back from in terms of what the FCC is looking for. Yeah. So to bring things up to today of what's going on, uh, the last few months, the FCC has basically said, uh, especially this uh, administrative judge, has kind of thrown up her hands saying, look, you guys are delaying over and over and over again. You're not providing the documents we need to figure out, you know, you know, who actually owns this. Um, you know, the trustee uh, who whose name is on EMT, it was a, a Belleville um, attorney, uh, he's the focus of this latest uh, decision. For the last few months, uh, EMT actually declared bankruptcy, which put an entire halt to FCC's proceedings for a while. And then they undeclared bankruptcy, which the FCC said, you know, look, you're just delaying. Like, this is just not um, a good faith process. The problem now is that the attorney for EMT who was supposed to show up to these FCC hearings has not done so. Mm. And what has triggered this latest uh, sort of order for cause is what the FCC judge calls it, is that uh, someone had, you know, filed... Uh, in the um, sort of the proceedings, the attorney's name, but it said by pro se, meaning the attorney was representing himself, which uh, confused the judge, I'll, I'll say to, to put it in, in, that way. You know, they weren't even sure, you know, they can't contact the attorney. He's not getting in touch with them. They don't even know if, if it was really him who signed that document, that sort of online docket. Uh, so this is very strange. And basically, uh, they said, the, the judge wrote, you know, we don't even, you know, is it right that the government should keep using its time to conduct this discovery process, to have this hearing, to see if they really should be able to renew their radio licenses when we're just not getting anything that we need? The judge seemed really fed up. Did she put any sort of timeline in place of, I need some answers by this date or this is over? So I believe the deadline is February 10th, basically to have this attorney both to show up uh, and say, why haven't you, you know, furnish these documents? Why haven't you, you know, any of you know, the tangible, you know, uh, tax documents, very simple things that would show where's the money coming from, who is in control of this, who is signing their name. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the line that keeps getting repeated over is that there are substantial questions of fact. And this FCC judge is basically saying, if we're at a point where you're not going to make a defense, if you're not going to show up, uh, we're just not going to renew these licenses. We're going to end this right now. Um, and so we're now after months of delays, and again, after this declaring bankruptcy, seeming to sell the stations and then not doing so, um, it's, a, it's a very tangled situation. Now, you talked about months of delays. I think it's worth noting that um, your former colleague, Jessica Lusenhop at the Riverfront Times, she did the first big profile of Romantic in 2012. And that profile, it strongly suggested that he was not just running the radio stations, but also the strip clubs that he He's supposedly not allowed to be running. He uh, um, has acknowledged that he owns the land, but he's always claimed that others are actually running those. That was all back in 2012. What has taken the FCC so long to get to this point? You know, I think, you know, there's two kind of sides to this. One, I think, is to, to give people a sense that just saying racial invective on the radio is not necessarily enough. And there have been complaints to the FCC uh, about Jamil, that about that specifically. Jamil Nasheed had filed, uh, State Senator Jamil Nasheed had filed a complaint uh, to the FCC that received, they never really acted on it. Hmm. Um, so it's not clear why the FCC hasn't taken, you know, a specific action based on the language. But, you know, as you point out in the timeline, Jessica Lussentop's story really did detail this own, these ownership issues. You know, uh, you know, EMT, all the stuff gets brought up for kind of the first time. Uh, the station, one of the first station he bought was actually owned by Larry Rice. It was a Christian radio station. And that story includes 
that Larry Rice didn't know that mm-hmm. who he was selling to. Um, and it's, you know, these, these details were, you know, kind of swirling around before the first Riverfront Times investigation. But if we trace the timeline, that story comes out in August of 2012. In November, Mark Curran, who was a St. Clair um, you know, government official who was the subject of much of Bob Romanek's invective. He uh, really went after this guy and his wife. Yeah, on air. Uh, a few months later is the first sort of petition against uh, you know, a citizen can file a petition with the FCC to say this station should not have its license. And Mark Kern did that. And my understanding is he did that in 2012. That's the petition that has now gotten us to the point of the FCC finally being fed up. So here's where we find the first game of sort of the rushing nesting dolls of these these shell organizations, as, as Kern sort of described them. Bob Romanek assigned uh, the trusteeship of his stations to Insane Broadcasting, was run by his son. His son then dies in 2015. Uh, Bob Romanek then seemingly assigns this to his girlfriend through EMT, in fact, two different EMTs, which are designated in this investigation. And in 2016, Curran files an additional petition, um, seemingly saying, look, he's just continuing this same shell game. Yeah. And it seems that's when the FCC actually starts to take action. They start looking into um, uh, the deals that, you know, the stations were seeking uh, an amplified, uh, I think, an FM transmitter. And in 2017, the FCC starts talking with the other companies that are, you know, running content on the station or that are negotiating. And they're saying, what is the station, you know, sending you? How are they putting themselves out? Is Bob Romanek identifying himself as the owner? And it turns out he really is. He had been. And in this in this re- investigation the FCC released in June, um, they detail many cases where Bob Romanek identifies himself as the owner of the stations on documents for political contributions mm-hmm. in negotiations with other stations. And they build this case that if Romantic is not the owner, if he's not uh, the trustee, he is behaving in a very strange way, in a very direct point man type way in the way these stations are run. We're talking to Danny Wisentowski of the Riverfront Times about the situation involving Bob Romanek, who's a shock jock, sort of notorious, um, broadcasting from Belleville. Now, yesterday on his show, Romanek addressed this very situation. Let's listen. We take heat. You know, the FCC, they want they want me off the air. Now, they can't stop me from being on the air, but they say that I bought these stations for $2.8 million, and I control these stations. So they're, they're at the, the uh, uh, just about at the end of the rope uh, trying to pull these licenses. And if they do, there'll never, ever be another 1190. There'll never be another 1430, a 1490, a 1510. And that's okay. They can do that because... See, they're the big hitters. Now, they can't stop me from being on the air somewhere else. And I've done talk with two or three other radio stations that love to have me on yesterday. So that's Bob Romanek, who managed to get through a couple sentences there without using the N-word. It mm-hmm. seems almost amazing to those of us who've had to listen to the show on occasion. Um, but he's saying, hey, uh, even if the FCC yanks the license of these stations that he um, might be involved with owning, um, somebody else could just hire him to come on and be a shock jock there. Does he have a point? Could the, the Romanek show endure on a radio station owned by somebody else? You know, I think it gets to the question of, uh, you know, of why does he have this platform? This is a show that virtually has no advertisers. There might be one, but, you know, this is a station that plays country music, uh, a few talk shows, and then, you know, the, the Grim Reaper of radio, as he's known, comes on in the morning and, a, uh, you know, another one at night. Um, he doesn't have advertisers, really. He hmm. cuts his own promos. He has an organization called the National Association for Majority Equality, which he insists is not a white supremacist group, but which has a promo on his own show. 
Would another station allow such a situation to continue? Would another station enjoy having Bob Romanek in lieu of advertisers? I think that's a question uh, I, I guess the other stations would have to answer. But if there are three stations that don't want advertisers and would like the N-word said over their radio broadcast continuously, um, I, I would have questions uh, for that station and for the listenership. Um, one last question here. We're talking about four stations here. If the FCC takes the action that the judge is threatening to take, does that mean these stations would just plunge into silence? Uh, do we have any sense? You know, I really don't know. And, I, you know, as someone who, you know, there have been many reports in the past that Bob Romanek has done, that he's finally, and I am guilty of, you know, prematurely uh, reporting that he was, you know, cutting his talk show at one point by, and uh, which uh, was embarrassing, but I, I corrected. Um, but we don't really know. He has a way of hanging around. Around, uh, quite a long time, and I'm not, you know, if these licenses, if these licenses were cut, um, that would seemingly mean these radios could not broadcast, uh, you know, under an FCC license. Could he go somewhere else? Could he start his own podcast? We're in an age where he has so many avenues to do this. But what's so unique is that he is, you know, using legacy media. He has an enormous footprint. We don't really know, you know, how many listeners he is. But the fact that he's been able to structure these stations to own and seemingly control them on his own, that is the question the FCC is getting at. And although they're bringing up these technical issues of why perhaps he should not, I think for us of trying to figure out why does he have this power? Why does he have this platform? This is really the question. And um, these shell organizations seemingly are are kind of starting to crumble, at least in the eyes of of those who it matters to. It'll be very interesting to see what happens next on this. I don't know that we should count him out yet. So Danny Wisentowski of the Riverfront Times, thank you for joining us today. It's great to be here. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.